Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. We can't help but avoid uh, the news over the last three or four days of crime and the wave of crime, uh, through, particularly through Dublin. And not only the last three or four days, I suppose, it's been over the last ten years. I mean, of course, you had the Hutches and the Kinnahans there for a while, uh, shooting each other. And now there seems to be another wave of crime from Drada, Dundalk, down to Dublin. Um, Kulak, specifically, has been a target for a lot of crime lately. And the Mayor of Drada has said he will hold a rally in the town to allow people to articulate how they feel about the ongoing feud and the killing of a 17-year-old. This is Keane Mulready, Mulready Woods. Uh, investigations are now continuing into the killing and the dismemberment of the young teenager, which is believed to be connected to the feud. Now, Keane's remains were first discovered uh, in the Moatview area of Coolock in Dublin on Monday night when the Gardaí found what appeared to be human limbs and parts of a torso in a sports bag or a Haldol bag. His head was subsequently discovered in a burnt-out car at Trinity Terrace near Crow Park in the early hours of yesterday morning. Now, the Gardaí are continuing to carry out forensic tests on a home in Mullen Park in Drada, which they believe might have been the house used by the, or used to house the teenage victim before they actually kill him. Now, I don't want to discuss what happened to this particular young man, as there is an ongoing investigation. Uh, but there is a conversation to be had here in the escalation of savage criminality in Ireland most of it related to drugs. At an interview today, Drogheda Mayor Paul Bell said the community is in despair after the killing and that he wants people to come together. He said, as Mayor of Drada on Saturday week, I will be organising a gathering on West Street in Drada, working across party and non-party, all the different organisations within our town to make sure that our gathering, a protest, a rally, whatever we call it, will be a success. And we send out a strong message from Drada of what we expect. More details, of course, will be released in the coming hours, he said, about what is to take place. And I want to make it clear that this is not a political venture. The Mayor's office is not a political position. As first citizen, I'm obliged to listen to the citizens and try to articulate what they feel about this issue and also the ongoing issues over the last few years. He's up, pardon me, I just have a little bit of wind there in my chest. He also said, uh, threshold has been crossed and that politicians have let us down by not giving Gardaí the appropriate legislation to work with. He said the Gardaí, at the end of the day, the legislation that they were asking on Garda Shea to defend us with, uh, that we're asking our communities to come together with to protect themselves, is just not there. Now, the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar said that the Gardaí would have all the resources they need to find the people who carried out the killing and the crime and to make sure that they are brought to justice. Detectives are probing the theory that the teenager got too deeply involved with an ongoing feud in Drada and carried out attacks on homes of gangs of gang rivals. Now, the teenage victim had recently carried out attacks on, on the home of a relative close to the gang boss, making him an obvious target uh, for the attack. That's according to detectives. But tonight, I simply want to ask you what you think should be done to put a stop to the crime escalating in Ireland. And as I said, please, we don't want to focus too much on this particular crime and this savage killing of this man, uh, our young well, he's been referred to as a child in the news. Mind you, he wasn't acting like a child, unfortunately, uh, for him. But in saying that, he is under the age of 18. He is a minor. Um, um, some suggestions that I have heard over the last few days are internment, decriminalising drugs, 
uh, conscription for at-risk youths, arming the guards, more guarder stations. These are all the things that people want to talk about. And I suppose the idea is that most of the killings that you've seen over the last 15 years, particularly, I suppose, in Dublin, the gangland killings that you've seen, be it from the Hutches, the Kinnahans, or uh, Drada, Dundalk, wherever you happen to have seen these killings, they all relate back to one thing, and that's drugs. Most of it all comes back to drugs. Organised crime for drugs, to sell drugs. The answer, I personally don't believe, is to legalise or decriminalise drugs. I don't believe that would make a difference because they will just move from one drug to another or one vice to another or they'll figure out another way of making money. So they'll always be there. I mean, when we talk about drugs, who's guilty here? The dealers? But they wouldn't be dealing in drugs if nobody was taking it. If there wasn't a, it's the laws of supply and demand. And it's all very well for us to condemn, you know, John or Intala or Mikko and Ballyfermis or some other area which would be socially deprived where there would be a lot of crime. But what about those who are not in those areas? What about politicians, Garda Síochána, judges, people in the media who are snorting cocaine? They're all equally responsible for the death of this young man, I imagine, if you look at it from that point of view, from a step-by-step point of view, because if people weren't taking drugs... Well, there wouldn't be a demand there for it and dealers wouldn't be selling it in the first place. So, who's responsible? Who's responsible for this disgusting, savage wave of crime? Clearly the individuals who carry out the crime, who are mindless morons and thugs, is what they are. Because anybody who could commit a crime like this savage attack, no matter who it's on. I mean, I I understand people get involved in crime. And yes, they say you live by the sword, you die by the sword. You you know, you end up, you know, hanging around with these guys. I mean, the end result is kind of obvious, isn't it? But in saying that, nobody deserves to die. And certainly not in such circumstances. Nobody deserves to die like that. So who's responsible? These savages that could do something like this, what sort of minds must they have? But they wouldn't have those minds if they weren't greedy and wanted more money and power. And we give them that power and that money by taking drugs. Well, not me personally, but some people do. So I don't know, who, what should be done about this rise in crime in Ireland? I've mentioned some of the obvious ones that people have said over the last few days. Internment, and in case you don't know what that was, it was very popular in Northern Ireland at one stage. Whereby the argument is, is that everybody knows who's responsible probably for the killing of this young man. The name has been floating around on social media probably all week. But yet nothing can be really done because you have to have evidence. Whereas with internment, you don't need evidence. You just take the person in and on the hearsay of a superintendent, the person can be put in jail. Then, of course, you have decriminalising drugs. Take away the power, according to those who enjoy drugs. Conscription for at-risk youths. And by the way, in relation to decriminalising drugs. I think the only people who ever suggest decriminalising drugs are those who are taking them. Because otherwise, why would you suggest it? Conscription for at-risk youths. So those youths who are being brought up badly in a life of crime or a family of crime where brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers have been involved in drugs or gangland. They're bound to turn out the same way. So what do we do? Should we put them in the army? Teach them some discipline? And what about more guardy, arming the guards, guarda stations, which were taken away from us by Alan Shatter. But all those things, which of those things would work? How do we solve this problem, which is escalating and getting worse? Where international news, this murder and the escalation of crime is on Sky News. It's been on CNN in America. 
That's how bad this has got. And we're a small, little, happy, peaceful country, allegedly. Let me know what you think. The number is 87 That's 87 uh, Let me go to Maliki first if I can. Maliki, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Maliki? Good evening, Niall. Uh, Maliki, the escalation of crime in Ireland, over, certainly over the last 15 years, not just this killing, which has certainly grabbed everybody's attention because of the style of killing and the execution, but... You know, they're just the gangland killings that we've seen over the last 15 years. What's causing this escalation? Drugs, obviously. But, but why, was, why didn't we see it before? Well, what, we, what we're seeing now is just a logical ex, um, extension of what has already happened. We have seen where people have been shot and they've been left in cars and set on fire. So it's not a big jump to, to what's happening in the current case. But the primary cause of all this is greed. And all of this nonsense, and I listen to, to um, the mayor of Drada, I wonder what he'd be calling the rally if there wasn't an election um, in the next couple of weeks. And, I mean, he says it's not political. Of course it's political. Well, he says his position is not political. Of course it is. You and he's a first citizen. Well, I mean, well, let's, you know. let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's, you know, assume that he's being sincere. Well, that cares. particular feud has been going on for the past two years. There have been over 100 attacks. Two men are dead. There have been multiple shootings. And he's been hasn't been a ward out of them. So... I let your listeners, you know, come to their own conclusions on that. They talk about whether there's enough legislation and whether the Gardaí have the resources. The resources are there. They're just not deployed correctly. People saw that during the water protests, for instance, where there was no difficulty in hundreds of Gardaí being found to stand around manholes to stop people. Yeah, but where do they stand? Because the Gardaí are well aware. I mean, this young man had a, a JIM1 form, a Jimmy form, as they're called, right? And as many, as many other individuals involved in these feuds have Jimmy Formers, which is basically they, the Gardaí are aware that their life is in danger. And well, they give, there's a credible threat. Yeah, and, and they give them basically this form, which tells them, look, you know, change your movements, talk, change your habits, change the keys of your locks, your door, uh, don't be in one place for too long. It gives them all the advice on how to protect themselves. Now, the Gardaí can't be... They don't know where the individual crime oh, well, is going to happen. don't actually want to be protected by the guards because that will interfere with their business. But... The legislation is there, and you talked about internment. And remember, internment is just um, detention without trial or without charge. There's no difficulty. In 2009, we brought in legislation here. It's generally called gangland legislation, which is similar to the Offences Against the State Act, where directing or controlling a gang could get you life imprisonment, or being a member of a gang could get you 15 years. Now, there's nothing to stop the state arresting those people in the morning and charging them with membership of a gang, remanding them in custody, and then down the road trying them, and if they're found guilty, they're found guilty. And they yeah, what, yeah, but if they remand somebody, see, the danger is that if you pick up, you know, Paddy, and Paddy hasn't been involved, and you've, you've interned him, and remanded him on custody until such a time well, as well, the Special Criminal Court can hear it, and he's found not guilty, she's going to sue the state, like, isn't he? Well, hold on, using terms like internment, you know, can be quite a motive, particularly with our history of um, internment in the North in the 70s and in the South in the 40s and 50s, in fact. But, you see, let me give you an analogy. After the Alma bombing, there was uh, further legislation brought in under the Offence Against the State Act to bring in an offence of directing terrorism. Mickey McKevitt was arrested and charged and that initially got 25 years, reduced to, to 20 on appeal. Right? They'd no difficulty doing that. They've no difficulty. And if you look at parties, it's been filled with so-called dissident Republicans who are just charged with membership on an increasing basis because the state wants them off the streets. Right? Now, I would suggest to your listeners that the cancer and the narco-terrorism that is facing us today is far worse than 
any threat that emanated from either any Republican... Well, uh, certainly ex-members of the IRA, yes. Well, well, that emanated anywhere in this state from, you know, from 1970 um, by either Republican groupings or loyalist groupings or all of them combined were facing a far bigger threat. And what people, you see, the the, the current... um, killing, for instance, is to send a message to people, to young people particularly, you're getting drugs off us, you're going to sell for us, you mess us about, and this is what will happen. And there are families and parents up and down this country now, in every town and village, petrified that their young lads are going to get more involved than they already are. The amount of, of weed, for instance, being sold and being used by teenage youngsters in secondary schools is unbelievable. And there's not a mention about it, of it anywhere. You know, and and it all, it all has to come from somewhere. So well, so there's a teenager in the school selling yeah. it who's obviously getting, getting it off somebody else see, the, who's the getting drug, it off these guys. The drug dealer, just like the paedophile or the child molester, is not the man in the Mac or in the white van. It's somebody very close to you. It's somebody in your own family, in your own street, in your own school. And you see, those people in the middle classes who are banging coke up their nose at weekends and don't see themselves as having a problem are just as guilty for the debts on the streets as the people who pull the trigger. And what I would suggest is that every radio station and uh, TV programme during the current election campaign, when they have these politicians on who are standing for election, ask them two questions. One, do you take recreational drugs? Yes or no? And are you prepared to take a drug test now on this program? And we will see the reaction from that. And we will know then that this is right. And are you, are you saying that any politician that's waffling on at the moment saying, you know, we need to do more about this, the Garda Sheikhan will be given resources, blah, 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 blah. And who's telling you at your doorstep that they're going to tackle this. Or, you know, if I'm the next justice minister, I'll tackle this. And you're telling me that if they, ha- if they are taking recreational drugs, i.e. cocaine or they're whatever. They're responsible. They are, they they are, are equally responsible. responsible. right? And this nonsense, you know, that, that unemployment and deprivation and everybody didn't go to Trinity or UCD and that's why they're drug dealers. Drug dealing is a job now. These people are employed. They don't see themselves as not working. They get up in the morning or late in the afternoon probably and work through till, till whenever. Doing whatever part of the, the job they have, they'll start off doing a bit of spotting but for you, but, see, but because to young people of 16 and 17 years of age, the idea of being able to go out and buy your Burberry clothes and your track suits and a new motorbike or a new car or whatever it is and be wealthy is attractive. Of course it is. And, nobody and, 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 and the promise is there and they get it. I mean, if you look at a lot of these people who have died recently, they've had that lifestyle. Yes, and the, the for a short time, mind you. Are a very small proportion of the people who are actually involved in this trade. And it's like any other business. You have people involved in all of the different aspects, whether it's um, transport, collection, delivery, counting money, shifting money, laundering money, all of those different aspects, like any other company. You know, all of these people are involved. And there's a career progression. And young lads, nobody wants to be an electrician, for instance, or just to take electricians. Nobody wants to learn a trade anymore because we're in this society where everything is about the individual. There's no such thing now as society. And everybody can do what they want. My body, my choice. I'll do what I want. And that's where we've seen the breakdown in society. And politicians, I can go back to when John O'Donnell, who was minister... Minister of Justice, yeah. No, before he was minister, when he was Fianna Fáil um, spokesman on justice, 
it was all on about um, zero tolerance and, and Timoney in, in New York and how he'd cracked down on crime. And well, all Charlie McCreevy said the same thing before him but, as well. Yeah, well, it was around the same yeah. thing. McCreevy was slightly after that. But um, John O'Donoghue then came, became Minister for Justice. And well, well he, he waffled on about the three strikes and you're out, yeah. if I remember rightly. And yes. it never happened. No. In this country, we brought in legislation that if you had drugs over a certain amount, there was a mandatory 10-year ten, ten sentence. Nobody gets it. We brought in legislation, or we had a constitutional referendum. Wait, why, why, did, why we started to ignore it? Because when I was a young fella of 18 years of age, and I'm not going to lie to you, I smoked a bit of hash, right? And you know, I did it for about a year and a half and then realised I was an idiot and stopped. But, what, but if, for example, you went to a particular pub, um, you know, in a certain... Could say where it was, but the Garda Drug Squad would raid these pubs on a regular basis, and they closed the doors. And anybody who had even you know five or ten pounds worth of you know hash at the time was arrested and charged. Yes, but they never really done the people who were selling it to you. And you but know, what I'm saying is, if if we scare enough people who are taking it, and we can reduce the amount of people who are to, taking it, well, then we reduce the demand, don't well, we? What what young people have to realise is, for instance, that if they're caught with any amount of drugs. They will be tried, they will be convicted, and it will impinge on their, their travel or their whole lives for the future because they now have a drug conviction. Well, we, well, they, well they hear us talking about it on the radio, they, they see it on TV shows all the time, the amount of politicians and good do-gooders who are suggesting that we should decriminalise all drugs. Yes, and that's the total... And, and even as it stands, you know, the, the proposals to, for instance, in the injection centres and the proposals to... To adopt a healthcare aspect to it, yes. Enough for personal personal use. That's sending the wrong message. We need to send the complete opposite message. But because so many of the political and establishment class are buying coke up their own nose, they want to to legitimise it for themselves. And that's where where the problem is. Well, I don't think it's that, Malik. I think it's a case that if the Garda Shea Connor were to take it seriously and were to actually take the law seriously, which is possession of drugs is illegal in this country, no matter whether it is for your own personal use or not, um, that we wouldn't have enough room in the jail cells. Well, and we, we wouldn't have enough time in the courts. Well, the, the last government or the, uh, spent, or the government before that, I think, spent 40 million buying a bit of land out in Taunton Hall, out near your place there, yeah, for to yeah, build yeah. Um, a, a prison. Nothing happened, just like the children's hospital. You know, we need to, be, we need to stop um, jailing people for not having road tax, for instance, or not paying fines and use those spaces in order to rid this society of the cancer that's there. So, so basically you're talking about the cancer of taking drugs leads to this particular sort of situation and these people who are killing each other. Yeah, I mean, it's, and, and people will tell you, well, if there was no supply, there'd be no demand. If there was no demand, there'd be no supply. And, you know, we, we've gone, and people talk about legalising different drugs, and if you start on that process... Over time, you legalise them all. But it, the drugs will just be replaced. Cocaine has already been replaced by crack cocaine. Well, I wouldn't know what the difference is, to be honest well, with you. If you tried them, you know, you'd soon find out because crack is one of the most addictive. Right, OK. I, but this is the one that... Well, I, I've heard about it in America, obviously. Yeah. And indeed. Well, but you see, crack first started kind of in, in the inner city in Dublin in, in areas around Parnell Street and was being sold by the African gangs. You know, again, you're not allowed to say that. No more than you would know, say that one of the current feuds involves traveller gangs, you know, because it's probably part of their culture. You know, so we've all this political correctness nonsense. Well I, well, I don't think being drug dealing is part of anyone's culture. Well, no, but we'll be told we can't identify the, the different groupings because... Well you, well, you should be able to identify. I don't see yeah. an issue with identifying different groupings if it helps to identify who the individuals responsible are. 
I mean, that, then you get down to a silliness in political correctness. If you can't identify people by saying, you know, an African gang or a traveller gang or whatever it is. I mean, it does help to identify physically who people are. Well, well, I think we're already at the level of, of stupid political correctness. If you look at today's news, for instance... Provided they're guilty of something, mind we, you, We saw a councillor who simply pointed out a fact mm. being hauled over the coals, being told he was racist, you know, so... I, do you believe that... So you believe decriminalisation won't work? Okay, well, let, let's stay there for a second if you can. I'm talking to Maliki Steenson, who's a solicitor in the city centre. Let me just go to Carl Dieter as well. Carl, you're on Classic Hits. How are you doing, Carl? I'm doing good, man. How are you keeping... I'm good, Carl, but I think there's a bit of an, an uneasiness across the country at the moment. Well, particularly, I suppose, in Dublin, because we've put up with 15 years of gangland killings. And yeah. this really is the pinnacle of it when you've got a man 17 years of age or a child, I suppose he's been referred to, who's basically butchered. Uh, and, you know, for these savages are willing to do anything. Now, I can't obviously talk too much about the there's an ongoing case in relation to this young man, so we don't want to go too much into it. But this escalation of crime, what's what's the solution, Carl? Well, uh, the war on drugs has failed, and I think that if you legalise drugs, you'd put these criminal gangs out of business in the morning. Do you not think they'll find something else to do? But, uh, you know, the very fact that you can buy drugs in jail shows that prohibition doesn't work. It makes it a very lucrative market for very heavily uh, violent criminals to exist in. We basically give them the market by having prohibition in the same way that, that alcohol prohibition actually created Al Capone. Prior to alcohol prohibition, Al Capone was a pimp with, who had two women uh, working for him that he used to, you know, that was his whole career. But Prohibition created a, a, a kingpin in crime. Well, we create these kingpins through Prohibition. And I think that if we were to make it legal uh, and, and try to operate it that way, it would be a new approach to a war that has failed. But that sounds that sounds very simplistic. Firstly, I I believe by making it legal, you're giving it a green light. I believe it'll also encourage young people who may have been a bit cautious before by thinking, well, dad and mam told me that's illegal and not a good thing. Uh, the state is suddenly sanctioning drugs. And you're talking, by the way, class A as well. I'm assuming cocaine and heroin too. Oh, yeah. No, cocaine is where you'd start because that's the one that has the most... Okay, but but, but uh, is, that, is that not giving it the green light? And, you know, we've already got enough of a problem in this country with drugs and alcohol, um, or should I say cigarettes and alcohol without legalizing another drug. I mean, yeah. did, I mean, I understand the point you're making, and I, yes, it makes economic sense to take away the business because that's what's causing the problem. But you can't just throw in the towel just because you think you're losing. I don't think it is throwing in the towel. I think it's an acceptance of of, of a fact that you can't fight something which is you, is impossible to battle. And there, there's a few things I'd say. First of all, obviously, no one envisages their their children doing cocaine. No one wants that. No one wants their kids going out and getting drunk and crashing cars or doing all sorts of things. But if the trade-off is to accept that people might take a drug, which many are taking anyway, and God knows what's in it, versus a, a criminal enterprise where people are being maimed, not only here, but right down through the supply chain in Colombia and all over the world, that if we could, if we could say, look, if we were to manage this better, if there was a, a way to make those drugs, the chemicals in them safer, to keep the workers safer, to try and at least have some tax money to put towards rehab, to put towards education programs, you know, that well, why is would you legalize a problem? I, I mean, I don't see. You maybe have this sort of vision of the future, Carl, where we got corner shops selling lines of cocaine and little bits of tissue paper or something, you know, no, legitimately and no, charging VAT no. on us. No, no, I, no I, I don't, I don't see that vision. Shots of whiskey that you walk up to the window, take a shot, and walk off. No. You'd have to have, uh, you know, 
licenses. You'd have to have all the things that go with selling drugs, which is exactly what pubs are, which is exactly, you know, the way that it works with uh, the sale of cigarettes or anything else that's, a, you know, a controlled drug. And now you can argue, you can say, oh, the effect of something. But let's not forget that alcohol kills more people than all the other drugs added up. And cocaine is, I'm not trying to say it's okay. And I'm not trying to say that people can't do too much and, and, and die from it. But if you compare, you know, someone taking a measured amount of, of cocaine versus, uh, you know, the free availability to go in and buy bottles of vodka, you know, it, it, it's, the risk is there with all drugs. It really is. Alcohol would never be legal if it was just brought out today. And I think we have to accept the war on drugs has been lost and there has to be a different way to look at it. Or you end up with narco-state terror type stuff happening in what should be a small, peaceful country. And we're seeing it. Well, well, let Maliki respond to that. Maliki, you're obviously against the idea well, of, of course, the, I don't accept uh, Gar, Gar makes a good argument. I don't agree with well, him, well, but he I makes a good argument does. for it. I think his argument, you know, is, is the usual straw man argument. But just to deal with the prisons, he says about, you know, drugs being found in prison. A decision was taken many years ago within the prison system to allow drugs in order to keep a lid on any violent pro- uh, problems. To make life because, easier for the prison officers, yes. yes. Now, that, that's just there should true. be no drugs that in prison. There should be, I well, Carl, that is true, because I've heard prison officers say it on the air. There my, was my, never, and get someone on from the prison system or the Garda Connor to say that there was any decision will never say to it. allow no, of course they won't. illegal drugs of course into the they prison won't. system. My sister is a nurse in a prison in the USA, and a large part of her job is giving out medication to sedate people. They do do that. They do maybe have things like methadone treatment within the prison system, but they are not allowing in heroin and cocaine via criminal enterprise with any kind of, yeah, this is okay, let's just allow this to happen. That is an, an, a bizarre and outstanding thing to say. I don't think it's that bizarre. If you, if, because if you look at the amount of drugs that are in Irish prisons, amazing it, it say cannot that. be just people smuggling in stuff. It has to be a blind eye being torn to it. I, I remember many years ago, a, a woman a, 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 whose son was jailed, who was strung out on, on heroin, and she was happy that he was gone into the jail because she believed that he'd at least get clean in there and that he, he wouldn't get drugs. He he'd found it easier target, to get yeah. drugs in there than he did on the outside, and he came out worse. He's dead now. And that's the reality. You know, the prison system is full of drugs because the state allows it to be full of drugs. That is just, that is just a remarkable comment. I would love to see where you're getting that information from. It is, the, the it may be well, 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 I mean, okay, Carl, let, let's just say the state is not sanctioning this. Um, but the point Maliki is making is a blind eye has been turned on. I did have a prison officer on the air. You know, I had a prison officer on the air about two or three years ago, and he told me that himself. He said if they that's don't get the drugs, true. they become more dangerous. Look, you know something? That is just a remarkable and outlandish claim. So, are you, Carl, are, are you, Carl, are you saying there's no drugs in prisons? No, I'm the one who started by saying that. So, don't reverse the argument on me. I said. So, that. where are all the drugs coming from? They're being brought in illegally because the war on drugs. I, is are, failed, you, are you telling me then the prison officers are not doing a good job detecting the drugs coming in because know, there's a massive amount of drugs getting in there? The officer role is in terms of how the drugs enter in or if they individually turn blind eyes, but the prison system does not tacitly or explicitly allow drugs into prisons. There's individuals who do it, and they obviously... But that's not the point Malik is making. 
Look, I mean, there's individuals who do all sorts of things. Okay, well, okay, well, okay, well, okay, okay. Well, let's not focus too much on that, and let's come back to what the, the original argument is. So, Maliki, yeah, well, 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 hang on, Maliki. Carl makes a good argument, not that I would agree with it, a good argument for the decriminalisation or legalisation of drugs, where people would have to have licenses similar to pubs, where this would take, I suppose, the business away from these head cases that go around savaging people. Yeah, and that's what they told us with cigarettes, and now there's more cigarettes still sold by the same gangs or, or different, but same type of gangs. On the well, that's only because of the cost right? of it. That's only because of the cost. That, well, that's, that's actually not what they said with cigarettes. And by the way, in countries like Iran, where they kill you for drug use, they still have some of the highest drug use around because the war on drugs has failed. That's all you need to remember if you remember nothing else. The message, the Carl, that you failed. want to send to young people is that it's okay to do drugs. No, Would you decriminalize? No, you no, are. No, that's no the more, message no you're sending to young because kids. Because pubs are there, you can go be you're drinking every day. You're taking the wrong message. You're listening to what you want to hear rather than what I'm actually saying. What I'm people, saying is the war on drugs has failed. People make their decisions on what's right and wrong based on what society considers right and wrong. Better, based better on, parents. hold on, can I finish the point? Based on what the state says is legal or illegal. Drugs are illegal because they're harmful, because they destroy both people and society. And that's why they shouldn't be legalised. And if you decriminalise them or legalise them, then you're saying to young people that it's okay to do it. And instead of having 30,000 junkies in this country, you will have 200,000. Well, Carl, what's your evidence to suggest that when you legalise, or if you legalise drugs, that it wouldn't increase uh, the amount of drug, uh, drug addicts that we have? My evidence is as follows. That whole argument is nonsense. Because something is legal doesn't mean people use it. Cigarettes are illegal and young people in bigger and bigger numbers all the time are rejecting smoking and looking down on smokers and saying it's disgusting and wrong and trying to get their parents to quit because they know better because we're educating them better. That's because we're doing the opposite of what you're saying. But go on. People are the exact opposite to this whole argument and that's a factual argument that you can check this. Yeah, but but, that's because we're doing the exact opposite because we're constantly banging on on the TV and on the radio how bad they are for you, how much they kill you, etc, etc. But what you're suggesting is the opposite. We're we're heading in a direction where maybe in 2030 we might actually ban cigarettes completely. Young people are switching from smoking tobacco cigarettes to weed. That's the reality. Uh, Malachi, you know, this is just a yeah, Would you do a line of coke yourself at the weekend? Would I? Yeah. No. I, and, but it's not to say I haven't have done, you ever done No. Have you ever done I it? I have. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. you see, there, ergo there, my argument, those who have done it and those who do it are the people who advocate for it to be decriminalised or legalised because they but don't that, see but, themselves but, as you know, But, Malachi, that's, that's, again, that's a fake argument. It's not a fake I, argument. I haven't touched drugs in years. I'll tell you what changed my view on drugs was working next to a drug clinic in the inner city and actually seeing that the illegality of drugs never had any influence on what any of those people did. It didn't even come into their heads whether drugs were legal or not. So do you not think, Carl, that, you know, uh, Paul, who's 14 or 15 years of age, who is looking at, you know, drug addicts on the street and knows that his dad and mom all his life has told him that drugs are a bad thing, they're illegal, but alcohol and cigarettes, well, they're kind of, okay, they're legal, just don't, we'd rather you didn't do it. Uh, but do you not think that he's looking at drugs at the moment saying, I better not do that, I better not. Now, he may chance it at some point in his life and risk it, but he knows that in this country, more likely than not, if he smokes a bit of hash, he's not going to go to jail or have a criminal record. Uh, but in saying that, all of a sudden, cocaine, heroin, everything, sure, it's okay to take it. The, the government has said it's okay, so cheapers, it must be all no, right. I, I, you, you, you're mixing up what I'm saying with what you're hearing. I'm not saying it's okay, and I'm not saying it's good, and I'm not saying that we should ever promote it. But, but, but that's what you're doing by legalizing, isn't it? Is to do that. 
what I'm saying is that the war on drugs has failed. If you can listen to that conversation again and okay, again... Well, okay, but, 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 let, but let me just put that statement to Maliki one more time. Maliki, the war on drugs has failed. Yes, because there never... And really prohibition doesn't there work. There's never been a war on drugs. There has oh, been... Ah, uh, Maliki, the, the, the amount of money that the Coast Guard in this country spends on trying to intervene, you know, boats and ships and all sorts of things coming into this country, uh, the, the amount of uh, guarded checkpoints coming down from the north where they're checking, searching buses every now and again. I mean, we don't have, we have the There's resources. There's no real to... war on drugs. No, this is a, no, and they've, got, know, a, they've you, got a fair few halls, in fairness a, to them. Yes. A, a, you know only a that, that, that is a disservice to the members of Customs and Angarda Shia Khan to say something like that. And it's only because it's not as zealous and crazy as you want the world to be that there's no war on drugs. There is, and it's been going on for 40 years, and it has failed. What is seized is only a fraction of what comes in. This country is awash with drugs. Drugs are transported into this country to go, for instance, over into the UK, because this country is like like a sieve. There is no no border protection. Hold on. If... This is an island. It's relatively easy if you put in the resources to stop drugs coming in. If you have to search every container coming off every ship, so be it. We should have scanners, scores of scanners to do that at every port. We they don't. Have we have one machines. scanner that floats between Dublin and Ross there. And it might disrupt people, it might delay people, but that's the price that you have to pay. You can dr- come yeah, into this yeah, country. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Carl, Carl, I mean, I, I don't know, about, but certainly by plane, it's a lot uh, tougher, you know, and you take a bigger risk. Uh, but certainly by coming into Ireland by boat, which I've done three times in the last two years, there has been absolutely no risk whatsoever being stopped. You don't know that, Niall, because you know something? They've got scanners, they've got machines, they've got sniffer dogs. But even in countries where data means death, where they will kill you for using drugs, you still find drug use happening. The war on drugs is lost. You're never going to fight it. And what Maliki is describing is a society where it does nothing except the war on drugs. We'd have to have no health care, no education, because you wouldn't literally have the money, resources or time to do anything else. What I'm saying is that drugs are awful, but we've got to accept that they're real, that we can't stop them, and that there has to be a more mature way to do this, because the price that we pay otherwise is what's happening now. It's making criminals. And why is that? Why has that suddenly got worse? We we have we've had a drug problem in this country for the last forty years, uh, ever since I suppose I suppose the Duns were probably the first gang to bring our people, our family to bring. And, you know, yeah. all sorts okay, of but but why why is it only now in the last, particularly the last four or five years, we're seeing this spate of savage killings, people being burnt in cars, uh, people being beheaded, literally? I mean, why are we only seeing this this type of criminality now? Because the well, drug dealers themselves are using their own product. And they're paranoid from the coke. If you go back to when the Duns, only one of the Duns, I can't remember which one it was, um, only one of them ended up taking the product. The rest of them were business people in their own heads, and they saw this opportunity to bring in heroin, and they started it. The reality is that the the, the, the drug dealers are getting younger and younger. They're more volatile. They're out of their heads half the time on coke and on, on having started off many of them on weed and progressed down to coke. And, you know, when you're in that state of mind, you're out of your head, you're paranoid, everything is a problem, and killing somebody is just like turning on the telly. You know, what happens is, is that eventually criminal markets mature the same as they do in other places. So what you saw was many years ago in other countries... You had a rise in violence, a rise in knife violence, gun violence, a rise in murders, all associated with with the narcotics trade. What you're seeing in Ireland, even though we have gun prohibition and gun control, is a massive increase in gun crime, a massive increase in narco-style murders, because that is the kind of tactics 
that drug dealers resort to to terrorize their enemies to keep their very valuable distribution that is only valuable because drugs are illegal. Okay, I, I know you have to go, Carla, and I want to go to Pauline as well. Thank you, Carl. Uh, Pauline, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Pauline? Hi, no, yeah, um, normally I have to say I do agree with most of what Maliki says, um, but I have to say that the breakdown of the family unit is uh, basically down to separation, divorce, all that kind of thing, and he'd know more about that end of it than I would being a, in his profession. That's the breakdown. That's what's causing most of the problems um, in society is the breakdown so, of the So these unit. young men, uh, primarily young men, uh, you mm-hmm. believe they don't have good role models because they're no, because they're Young men are starting off, many, many of them reared by single mothers, mm-hmm. going to school, international school, where there, there, there are no male teachers. They mm-hmm. have no, men are increasingly staying away from being involved in any kind of activity because of all of the, the, the paranoia yeah. around sex abuse, that every man who gets, somehow gets involved in a football team is a paedophile. So yeah, men are yeah. staying away from that. So there are no positive role models. Are you what? saying that women are not positive role models? There's no positive role models. Well, I think it's unfair to suggest that women are not positive role models. You I mean, women, women are role models, but I do believe that a child benefits from having male and female role models. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where, you know, all the feminazi stuff starts kicking in. No, I'm, I'm, not be, I'm not You know me, I'm not politically correct, but I think it's unfair to suggest when you say there's no positive role models. Uh, I think no there are many, posi- many no, there are very good female positive role there models. Are no p- positive male role models. Okay, that's a fair And young statement. men need positive male role models. Okay, let me get back to Pauline because she hasn't said much yet. But Pauline, so what is the answer? I mean, we've all been shocked by this killing. Not that we're surprised that people get killed uh, in this business or in the business of selling drugs or being involved in these gangs, but we're surprised at the style of this killing. It's it's not something Ireland is used to. Uh, we've seen a man being burnt alive in a car only recently in the Lucan area as well. We're constantly hearing of these type of killings. What's the answer? Who's, whose fault is this, Polly? The guards not doing enough or the state not doing enough? What's the answer? Well, like I said, the breakdown of the family unit is the destruction of society. So I agree with um, with Malaga. We need role models, particularly for young men growing up. Um, but the other thing is, I actually agree with your last speaker. I think that drugs should be legalised. People are going to take what they want anyhow. They're going to. I mean, I've often been on a prescription drug, and I would be spaced on it. So I mean, I'm not saying I get out, would go out and do anything. But I mean, the stuff that's legal and the stuff that's illegal. Why? What's the point? Let people do what they want to do and offer them help. I've said it before. But, but if you start letting... Uh, when, you, when you say let people do what they want to do... Well, they're going then, to well, do then we're going down want. the road of anarchy, you know, where, where we've no control over society whatsoever. We have to... Con- I mean, we, we have a responsibility, and that's the reason we have a government. I'm not a great one, mind you, sometimes. But the reason we have a government and the reason we have a society and the reason we have, you know, people who are experts in things and people who study things and carry, or, you know, study statistics, etc., etc., the dangers of things is because we want to make sure that people who are vulnerable uh, don't do silly things that risk their own lives or risk the lives of others or destroy the lives of others. And yeah. that's the reason why drugs were illegal or well, are illegal. We're going back to the same problem again, the family unit, no parental um, guidance in for a lot of children because they don't have two parents. Um, you know, so it's a hard job to wear a child, so they do need two parents. I mean, I, I understand be, that. Yeah, and statistically, yeah, yes, I, I can agree with you that single-parent yeah, families, broken homes, are responsible more for yeah. crime. But in yeah, saying that, there's some good we, kids coming out of good homes who've got involved in drugs. This is what I'm saying. They're going to do... You see, if it's open, if it's more open unless under or in in the dark what's going on, people have a better chance of controlling the situation. 
the way it is now is out of control, even though there are loads of experts involved in putting, keeping it under control. It's not working. You know, that's the very point. <coughs> Excuse me, you talk about what's gone on today. If that's what it takes, and if it takes a load of experts to come up with that or to bring it to that kind of a result, what are they doing? They're doing nothing right for a start. So legalise them. Then we can deal with it. But I, I mean, and I kind of agree with Maliki in some sense. When you say, when people use the word legalise or decriminalise, which is kind of, you know, the, the two arses are two cheeks at the same arse, so to speak. Um, mm. You're essentially saying we've lost the fight. We've lost the battle to protect society against what is a poison and a cancer. So let's just fling in the towel and should do, let them do what they want to do. Niall, what is the logic of bringing somebody into a courthouse and putting them behind bars for taking drugs and then giving them drugs behind bars or letting them have them? Well, we I shouldn't. Mean, well, we shouldn't be allowing them to take drugs behind bars. No. I, I think Malik is clear is, on that. But I, th- I think the point that Malik was making is that if you take, you know, Johnny at sixteen off the streets because he's been doing a few lines of cocaine, and you fling him in a cell for six or seven days, and he has a criminal record, he might mm. think twice about wanting to do it again. No, he might come out well. He might come out well thought on what else is out there and how to go about getting it, not getting caught. They should be given support if they're on drugs, if they're addicted. And if they want to get off them, but I do but believe... you can't give everybody support. Sure, half the country is taking drugs. It would cost less money, wouldn't it, than what's being wasted. Nothing is coming of what they're doing. I mean, there's jobs, societies, authorities, you name it, involved in stopping it. It's not working. Well, Maliki, you know, a few people saying that, what we're doing... I mean, you're, you're asking for what you're looking for is more of the same and better. In other words, you want to, the, these laws enforced properly. But a lot of people saying what we're doing is not working, Maliki. It hasn't worked. Well, you see, if you look at what we're doing, and, and that caller spoke about, you know, the different schemes and all of that, and putting money into into different things, you know, to, to, to prevent all of this. We spend tens of millions every year, hundreds of millions probably, in funding different groups all around the country whose job it is supposed to be to, to solve this problem. And none of them do it because they have a vested interest in not solving it. Just as the home, like exactly. the homeless, just like the homeless thing, there are probably a hundred homeless charities now who are all supposed to be doing yeah. the same thing, and they need the homeless problem to to get worse it's rather than to yeah. get better in order to justify their own existence. Yes, but you see, why do we drive a hundred and twenty mile on the motorway? Why do people most of the time keep to that limit? Because the state says if you exceed that limit and we catch you, we'll find you, we'll take your license. Right. If you if the limit was 130, people would drive at 130 or 150 or whatever. Right. So it's the fear of being caught losing your license penalty yes. points. Yes. So if you say to people that if you have 20 quid worth of uh, coke in your pocket, that's all right. Then people will have 20 quid worth of coke in their pocket. But that's and people the same as the it. drinking and driving. You've got no, 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 I'm, I'm listening to what he's saying, Pauline, and, and I'm getting what he's saying. Like, for example... You know, I, I can be a bit risky in my car sometimes going over, you know, five or ten miles an hour over the limit, although I've slowed down yeah, in the last ten years. No, no, hold I, but, on, you don't have five or six people standing around saying, Go on, we dare you know, No, 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 I, no. I understand the peer pressure. No, no, I, I get no. you. I get you with the peer pressure. But the point he's making is, for example, they put cameras recently in the tunnel. Uh, I used to drive to it at probably 100k, uh, which is about 60 miles an hour. Now, you know, the speed limit is 80. I now, I'm conscious of that. I'm conscious of not getting penalty points and I'm conscious of not losing my license because it's so important to me because I got so close to it about five or six years ago, right? So, in other words, I'm conscious of the fact that if I get caught, there's a punishment. Not that I don't want to do it, but if I get caught, there'll be a punishment, right? 
Malachi is saying the same thing. If people are conscious, if young people are conscious of the fact that if they ca- get caught, there actually will be a punishment because at the moment there is no punishment. Mm. I mean, there might be a law there, but it's pretty much useless because when was the last time somebody went to jail for a tennis worth of hash? Nobody does. When is the last well, time somebody went to jail for doing a line of coke? Nobody will. Well, I've, I've said it to you before, depending on somebody's age, if they're, I think, isn't it 18, you're an adult and you're supposed to be able to do what you want. If they catch them under that age, it seems that they can do nothing about it. What I have said on that subject before is that the parents should have to pay the penalty. The parents should have to go to jail because they're responsible for them until they're 18. And well, that no, that's be... not strictly true. I mean, people are regularly prosecuted under 18. Um, it's just that their convictions don't carry on into adult life. Convictions as a juvenile are, are separate to, to convictions as an adult. Yeah, so what happens but, to them? But there are many people who are... Uh, Where do they go, by the way? Are they split? Yeah, yeah, but if they catch a 16-year-old with uh, 10 quid's worth of cocaine, he's not going to Overstown, is he? No, but what will happen is he'll be convicted. And those convictions, even though they're juvenile convictions, if he wants to go to America, which is a huge... Um, kind of thing that most people want to do at some stage in their life, he will not be able to go. And do you not see something wrong with that? I do. I see something to label a child or to do that to them over £10 or whatever whatever that stuff is. I mean, they should have thought of that before they did the stuff. No, but hold on a second. That's the risk. Isn't that the risk you take? Yeah, but hold on a second, Niall. I'm talking about the age of a person, for example. We were talking if a person's under 18 or whatever. Why is it that a parent can't do whatever time? Why are parents allowed to bring children into the world and walk away and leave society? And I agree with you. There are parents out there who are scumbags and don't care about their kids. But there are good parents out there, in fairness, Pauline, and somehow the child has mixed with the wrong peer group and done something wrong. And, you know, you can't necessarily always blame the parents. In a lot of cases you can, but not all the time. You're not just, to, have just to clarify that there, if, yeah. if, if a child under 18 is summoned, say, for possession of, of a joint or something, his parents will also be summoned and they will have to appear in court. Uh, no, they won't be charged. Fair. They won't be charged, but yeah, they but will have to appear. They have to be there to take responsibility. Okay, but stay there both of you for a second. Let me just go to Andy as well before the break, if I can. Um, Andy, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Andy? How you now? Sorry How for leaving you? you waiting for so long. Andy... Uh, I know, so fine. Okay, I mean, you, you've heard all the arguments today. I suppose it all stems back to what's going on at the moment, which is this savagery which is going on in society, all because of drugs. What's the answer? Yep. Uh, the answer is increased detection rates now. Very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we sit there and we accept things. It's like you said, you, you're spot on money, supply and demand... And in, in, in some ways, that earlier caller, was it Keane or whatever his name was? Carl you know, Dieter, the, Carl. Yes. Carl, you yeah. know, the, the, the war on drugs is lost. And, and you know, he, 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 to a certain extent, he's absolutely right. But that doesn't mean you accept that, you know, the butchering and killing of young young children or men or whatever you want to call them is, is good for society. And, and society needs to accept that by creating a demand for cocaine, which is really what it's all about, um, is is the result the result of that, the consequence of that is the killing of, 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 of people. And, you know, what we need to do is go and look at the people that are consuming the drugs and say, ah, oh, it's it's not all about and, and, and this is absolute bollocks now. It's not all about little fucking Jono in wherever he is. No, it's not. He's no. From. It, it's about it's about you say it's a middle class. It's and the yeah. upper class. It's about radio presenters. That, it's about judges. It's about Gardner Shea Khan politicians. I've said, before, yeah. I've said this before. It's about the demand, and if that demand comes from that like parts of society that have a higher level of disposable income, then you've got to target the demand 
And if you want to like decrease the supply, well, you know, you're never going to cut the supply. But if you create a society whereby people believe, as you said earlier, that it's about people's perceived belief of being caught and made, cons- you know, that their actions being held, cons- you know, accountable for their actions. You know, I if you get caught, if you're some little, you know, yuppie, you know, I'm not going to say, I don't want to be too sort of like, you know, um, stereotypical, but if you're some like yuppie from Black Rock or whatever, who loves these little rugby game with snorts of Linus Coke in some, you know, Yahoo pub, then if he gets caught by his undercover drug squad who come in and shut the doors and go in and, and search everybody and, and in, in the pub and find little Johnny who's like, you know, your Johnny who's got like his little gram of Coke, and he gets a conviction for that, and he doesn't get to America, then, like, little Jono in Yahoo land will actually realise that there's a consequence for having, you know... Yeah, because there is no code. consequence at the moment. Well, but, but that's what I mean. If, yeah. he, has, if, he, if he gets convicted... Well, and, and, and that's and why I agree, I agree with Carla when he said the war on drugs is lost, but I believe but, the reason the war on drugs is lost is because we're not doing it properly. You're right now. You said it. You said, and you, you know exactly what I'm saying, that you know that it's about cutting down and making the demand less sort of easy. If, if people sort of go, actually, there's greater consequences for buying cocaine and being in possession of cocaine. And, and this, like, the, the whole, we all know the supply of drugs is about... Have you ever you done know, drugs, Andy? Have you, ever, have you ever tried anything in your life? Oh, have a wild guess there, Niall. I, take, I, take, I, take a wild guess. I would say no. Yeah, exactly. Of course. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're absolutely right now. You know, I, I, I was never part of the 1980s rave fucking generation. The E generation that grew up in Manchester went to the Hacienda. Yeah, see, I, I was, I was duped into smoking hash when I was about 18 years of age. I used to work out in Dunleary, and unfortunately, I befriended a guy who worked in the same factory as me and used to sit beside me on the train every day who ended up, he was a drug dealer. Now, he didn't look like a drug dealer. If you know, do you understand what I'm saying? He was a nice guy. He was from Clontarf. He was well brought up. But he was selling yeah, drugs to all the factory. That's the whole point now. And I used to have an L smoke in the morning, which was silly. Listen now, like, I mean, just, just for the record, of course I bloody smoked cannabis when I was younger. Okay. Of course I fucking did. I took ecstasy when I went to, I went to the Hacienda. I went and to and, and did, you, did you have a fear of being caught? Of course you did in those days. It was like, you know, like dodging the cops in, in the sort of the, the rave era was, 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 it was a big thing. And if you ever read the, about the Hacienda, you'll know about I've heard about the Hacienda, of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's where I used to go. That was my sort of like, that was my youth. That's where I went to. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, was, it was an iconic place in Manchester. And, you know, it was, it was fun. Mm. But, but, you're, break, you're breaking up there, Andy. Move your head, sorry. Oh, I'm going to run into the kitchen here now. Yeah, yeah, go on. Okay. So, okay, so you're kind of agreeing with Maliki in relation to taking this more seriously rather than relaxing, as Carla's saying, and making them legal. Malik, Maliki's right. I mean, I agree with an awful lot of what Maliki says, and I'm not everything in, this, in the same vein. Ultimately, you know, it's about consequences for, if, you know, if you cut the demand, and you said it now, it's, it's, it's economics here, it's supply and demand. If you can create a demand for, you know, a product, you know, whatever it is, whether it's bloody alcohol, cigarettes, cane, chocolate or whatever, and, and you can create a demand and that demand is there in society, you will sell it and then you will create sort of, you know, profits. And, and the problem is drugs are illegal, so therefore if you have a supply of drugs and money, you've got to defend that and use that by, 
know. Yeah, and because it's illegal, you get certain types of individuals involved in selling it as well, because they're the ones willing to take the risk of the higher prison sentence. But do do your favour, actually, Andy Maliki, stay there for a second, because I have to take a break. I'm going well over time here. Uh, and I appreciate your statement as long as you did, do, Maliki. Uh, keep texting, keep WhatsApping. The number is 087 In light of what has happened over the last few days and the savagery that's happened, all because of drugs, of course, um, and the connections to these ganglands or these gangs from Dundalk or Drada or whatever it happens to be, or, you know, Kulak, unfortunately, has been blighted by this recently in relation to young people being uh, taken out. But I want to know what you think. What is the answer? Um, and the Drada Mayor Paul Bell said the community is in despair. Uh, but, but I think the whole country is in despair, really, as to what we actually do about this big drug problem that we have. How do you tackle it? More Gardaí? The government should be doing more? Maliki is right in what he said. If you've got a, a politician calling to your door telling he's going to solve the problem, I wonder would he be willing to take a drug test to see if he's taking recreational drugs? Because if he is, he's part of the problem and not part of the solution. Let me know what you think. The number is 087 I want to go to Mark, who's a little bit pissed off at Maliki for some reason. Uh, Mark, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Mark? How you doing now? Uh, good, Mark. You, you want to take umbrage with something Maliki said? Now, could you please do me a favour? Yep. Whenever you have people like him on and they start spreading this nonsense, hang up on it. Well, no, everybody's entitled to an uh, opinion. It's not, they're not entitled to opinion. Yeah, well, no, he, is, he is entitled to an opinion. Of course he is. Unless, yeah, you, unless, you, want to, unless you want to censor radio as well now. Well, listen, when they come out with that nonsense, I think they need to... What nonsense it. is this? I'm listening to the news and just with my mouth open of this absolute tragedy that's going on in Ireland at the moment. Mm-hmm. Poor kids being dismembered, heads in cars, people being burned alive. Unbelievable what these gangs are doing. They need the full force of the law and don't come out that sort of nonsense about internment. That doesn't work. Absolutely don't start that. That is just silly. And these gangs are going around committing these crimes. Absolutely scandalous. And Maliki comes on, and what does he do? He starts talking. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm listening. Oh, sorry. He comes on once he starts to talk about African gang culture and travel gang culture. That's not, now, don't take out of context what he said. He talked about all uh, the gangs, and he said it's okay to no. say, for example, there is an African gang, which there is. It's okay to say that these particular individuals in this gang were members of the traveling community, and that's for their the traveling community to look into themselves. And by the way, when he when he mentioned the word culture, I immediately, immediately challenged him on that and said it's not part of any oh, culture. Uh, I apologize, I didn't hear that. I apologize. Okay. But but in saying I, that, I, in saying that, he, there's nothing wrong with you know saying, for example, if you had a Syrian gang who were selling drugs yeah. in Dublin, it's okay yeah, to point out they're a Syrian gang if it's easier for everybody, including the Garda Sheikh, yeah. to identify who they might be. I understand that. But you see if they're convicted and they're in jail, there's no problem with that dog whistling. There's no problem with that. No one has been convicted. No one has said that these poor kids being slaughtered are the work of an African gang or a traveller gang. This is what the guards... The guards have no more idea what's going on than you do. No one has been I think, the, I think the guards have a very good idea what's going on, but it's very really? difficult to prosecute anybody. Really? Yes. Really? Well, I, well, but put it this way. If the guards don't know what's going on, I think they uh-huh. must be very stupid because 
If we look well, at WhatsApp over the last three days, I'm, I'm assuming that yeah. you have a, a WhatsApp groups on your phone and everything else. Um, on WhatsApp currently at the moment, there are names being mentioned, there are videos mm-hmm. going around, there are pictures circulating mm-hmm. that shouldn't be, and I would advise people to delete them if you do get them. But mm-hmm. everybody has named the individuals responsible for this already. Now, obviously, we can't name them on the radio, but everybody has named well, them. So the guards are well aware of what's going on. Well, they might be well aware when, when they go and pick up the poor unfortunate's body. But at the moment, how many people are they convicting? The point I'm making now is, to see when they're convicted, then you can start to make these absolute facts. Wait, I, but I think, yeah, but hold on a second. We weren't talking about that particular crime, as heinous as it was. We were talking about crime in general and the gangs that are running around Dublin in general. I, I, I understand that. But listen, the reason we're talking about it is because of these two horrific murders. They've left us all shocked and numb. And, no. you know, uh, you're beginning now to push on a door that's wide open in this country where the racism is absolutely... And I'm not talking about everyone. There's a lot of good people still in this country. The racism is seeping, seeping, seeping. And you've got to put a stop to it. There's casual racism about blacks, about travellers. Nobody mentioned uh, the word black. We'll go no, on. We'll go on. Yeah, well, 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 hang on. Well, 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 give, well, give Maliki the right to respond to that, okay? Just yes, give him the right to reply. I listen to him. I okay, listen okay. To him. okay, Maliki, go on. You've got right. the right to reply to that. Of course, the, the reality is that crack cocaine was flooded into Dublin City by African gangs based in Parnell Street. That's fact. Right, but hang on, hang on. With the greatest, but well, well, hang on, hang on. Hang on, Maliki. Hang on, hang on a second. There may have been an African gang who were imported crack cocaine. I don't know. I don't know that for sure. But but hang on, yeah, but there was other people bringing in crack cocaine into this country. There was very the escalation in the use of crack came from the the flooding of the market with crack, not ordinary cocaine, because you take cocaine then you bake it in the microwave. I have no idea. I don't know the difference. Go on. I'm involved in this, in, and I'm actually looking for where you actually were going to challenge me on something other than nonsense, because you haven't disagreed, apart from your, your, your thing where you're alleging almost that I'm racist, when I simply point out a fact. The only thing I disagree with, Malachi, and don't take this the wrong way, is you, you shouldn't be given airtime. Because yeah, why, should, why shouldn't um, they be given airtime? Why shouldn't be given airtime? Uh, listen, you see, if these people are charged and they're in jail and go through court, they're fair game. You can say what you want about them. To see these assumptions and just this generalisation about travellers, about Africans... Hang on. With the great, I, you're taking completely what he said earlier on out of context. He didn't generalise about travellers. He talked about a particular gang. I am not. No, I, I'm saying he didn't generalise earlier on when he mentioned travellers. He, he mentioned a particular gang who he said it's okay to mention the fact that they're members of the travelling community. And the point what? I was making was that the PC brigade uh, say that it's not okay to say Okay, sorry, Andy, you want to say something there to Mark? Go ahead. No, I just think like, Mark's completely off the fucking wall in terms of his knowledge of actually the criminal activity in Dublin. And if anybody has got a fucking half a brain, they're well aware of who is doing what. And actually, it's dreadful to say this, but the travellers, there's certain elements of Jesus travellers Christ who man. are... Well, listen, he he said just, certain elements. Go on, continue what you want to say, clue. You haven't a fucking clue, lad. That lad right. his, you haven't a fucking clue about yeah. what is actually going on. You haven't. You are so uh, up you your do. own ass. Way, 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 way,
more fucking knowledge of what's actually going on than you have. Well, why, if you want to live in some bring, fucking why don't bubble... Because I keep the language down, Andy, if you can. Why don't oh, you bring your information not. to the guards if you're so knowledgeable? Because the guards are well aware of what's going on, but they can't convict because they haven't got enough people that are willing to come forward and act as witnesses because they're afraid they'll get fucking shot. Are you stupid? You seem to know what's going on. Are you? But, but, but are Mark... You but Mark. He's got a good point. And you know what, Mark? I was only talking about this today. If I was a member of Ungarda Shea and I had a family, I'd be afraid okay. to go up against these individuals. Why? Because they're dangerous. They've just cut some guy up. Look at Adrian Dizzo. I mean, Mark, come on. I mean, you sound like a reasonably intelligent man. Mark, are you telling me that if you had information on gangs or people that were responsible for, you know, uh, disassembling bodies, essentially burning people in cars, stabbing people to death, blowing people's heads in, you'd go to the guards and say, guard, I know who this is. I'll give evidence. I don't know what works in the Free State. Up here in West Belfast, what you do is you phone a hotline. It's... Have we broke up there? No, you're okay. But are you willing okay. to go, are you willing to go to court, Mark? Well, I absolutely go to court if it was uh, if it was promised the, some type of uh, cover. No, the witness relocation I, I, program or something like that. Well, no, I think I'll be going. That's what happened in Limerick. Far. Well, that's what happened in Limerick. Individuals in Limerick assisted the guard of Shea College pinpoint who is exactly responsible for the trouble in Limerick going back many years ago. Those witnesses had to be moved out of the country. Mm-hmm. So you think that uh, just. Turn your, turn your head and just ignore them and let no, them No, you don't turn on. your head and let you ignore them. That's the guard she can't do, do, do their job. But it's very difficult for... Me- no, but it's very difficult for members of the public to get involved because your I life is at risk. I, I understand that. That's why you need a specialised unit. Families are specialised units. I don't know. I mean... Hang on, Mark. Hang on. Let just say what he wants to say. There are specialised units and West Belfast is no example. West Belfast is awash with drugs. Yeah, I'd agree. Since the so, you know, what, what, clean up your own backyard before you're, 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 you're complaining about how we're <laughs> well, trying to do stay up, stay up north, is that the way you're, is that the, the angle I'm saying that West Belfast is awash with drugs. It's not awash with drugs, there's drugs everywhere in this country. Everywhere in West Belfast, is no different. You, you, so you don't, you don't believe, Mark, there are hot spots across Ireland where drugs are more prominent? I would probably say, uh, my knowledge of it wouldn't be that good, but I would imagine there would really? be. How many drug dealers and, uh, have been shot in West Belfast in the past year, say? Quite a lot. Yeah. So it is a and problem. How, so, so, what you, so what you're saying is they've been shot, but it, it makes absolutely no difference. Shooting people, uh, interning people, they don't make any I difference. I didn't advocate internment. I, I don't. No, no, no. I'm just saying, but at the start of the program now, and it pricked my ears upset about these people talking about internment. Yeah, it was, one, some, it was one of the suggestions, yes. Well, there might be some drunk staggering about a bar at the end of the night looking for a fight talking about internment. There's no one that I know with any amount of sense that sees what happened in the North for a lot back in the early 70s in tournament. But what do you say, you see, what, yeah, but Mark, what do you say to people when they say to you that this this horrible, horrible crime happened, right? And and there's been more recent ones as well. And everybody knows, including Ungarda Shea who the individuals responsible are. But yet because we don't have the evidence or enough evidence or nobody's willing to squeal, they don't go to jail or they can't be brought before the courts. What do you say? So... I say what you do is you invest more money into it, more guards, more units, either that or you ignore the problem. If you want to take the problem on, you face it, you face them down, you harass them, you don't turn them, you don't shoot them, you don't put them in uh, a cage, you don't, you do everything in your power legally to stop these monsters. 
Well, I think you mustn't have been listening mm. to me at all, Mark, because I have said those exact same things, that we must do it within the law. We must use the legislation that we have under the gangland legislation in this state, um, which is similar to the Special Powers Act in, in the North. But the legislation that's there can be used to take these people off the streets. Malcolm, the only that's problem I, I have said. with you, I, I understand, and I understand people are angry, and I understand they're frustrated, and I understand they're heartbroken. The poor family of that child cut into... I, I don't even want to go into any detail. No, I'd rather, I'd, rather, I'd rather didn't. It was an ongoing investigation anyway, but go on. The reality it's is next week we will be talking about some other child. Yes, absolutely. And uh, what I'm advocating is this is a modern country. Use the forces of the law legally to hunt them down. To see this nonsense coming on, taking pops at other nationalities, other cultures. But, but Mark, do you think it's acceptable, right? When you have a gang, for example, and there are a number of gangs in this country, be they from settled community, from the travelling community, from the African community, the Syrian, I don't know, whatever, Romanian, whatever they happen to be, right? There are numbers of gangs, Polish gangs, all sorts of gangs, right, in this country. Do you think it's acceptable that if you have a problem in a particular area with a particular gang, that you cannot use the word a Polish gang, an African gang, members of the travelling community. Do you think it's no. acceptable that you can't use that? You can't do that. I don't believe so. I think there is nothing wrong with it as long as it's factually correct. No, with due respect, I think you're wrong. Okay, well Mark, well, Mark, you can virtue signal all you like, but I think it's acceptable because I think it's good for the Garda Shekhanah to be able to identify who we're talking about. You see, when they're in jail, when they've been prosecuted, when they've been put before a legal judiciary, then you can name them and then you can shame them. Do you see this generalisation? Nobody is generalising. Nobody at any stage tonight said that all travellers, all Africans, all Polish, all Syrians, all settled. Nobody said that. Nobody's generalising. You're saying, what you're saying is there are... What we're saying is, and what Maliki said earlier on, and I'm not aware of it, but there's an African gang. He also says there's a travelling community gang, which there is. And a culture of drugs with them. No, he he was challenged on that as soon as he said it. He didn't say a culture of drugs across the travelling community, but these individuals. So there's people that are gangs that haven't been charged, that hasn't been prosecuted, that aren't spent in time of jail, but you can sit on a radio station and just generalise. Yeah, but you. But the, the point that you, you're coming on and telling me that Maliki is not entitled to an opinion just because you didn't agree with something he said, I think it's just as outrageous. I says he's not entitled to generalise well, I, well I, I, in fairness he didn't generalise he used the word gangs but go on well I think I think what you did Mark was you selectively listened to what he said he never even you you have the, have the opinion that he selected a suggested internment he didn't suggest that at all I said that no I said you don't. You said it twice at the start of the show yeah I you said it you said it twice I said it at the start of the show that during the week I've been listening to people commenting online and I said some of the suggestions that people have come up with and that's how I suggested it that's how, the only mention of the word interment tonight, apart from you. Because idiots are talking in a bar. Now, I, I went on to your Twitter there, and just to digress a second, you're actually talking about having drug screening welfare recipients. Where? What on earth? Where's uh, that? Where's that? Where was that? You see when you, you Twitter? Where? I went on to your Twitter. It's the, the when was that? Show. Yeah, but that when, was where, when, was the, when did I say that? About six weeks ago, you said... Yeah, no, what I said was that we were talking about a topic because in the United States, or in Australia, I think it was, I'm not too sure, was it Australia? It was in Australia. They were going to screen people on social welfare for drugs, and if they were on drugs, to put them on a rehab program before they would uh, allow them to collect welfare or go and get a job. And we were discussing it on the air. 
So I, asked a, so I asked a question, not making a statement. Mark, do you understand the difference between a statement and a question? I understand that this... Do you want to, do you want to quote what, I, what was up on Twitter? Do you want to quote it? T- well, I haven't got it with me. But no, you don't, because you just made you just threw out a general statement that I you you kind of made it out that I was suggesting that people should be drug screened if they're on social welfare. That wasn't the case at all, Mark. So now you're selectively listening to or reading what I'm writing on Twitter now. And then what you said was no, because I want to follow your show. I think I genuinely think that you're a good, genuine broadcaster. Yeah, well, then why are you selectively putting it, trying to put out in the air what I actually said when I didn't actually say it at all? We asked a question based on a story in Australia. No, because it, you, you it's a fair question, isn't it? It's okay. It's, is it okay to ask questions, Of course it is. But okay. you have to understand that there's people like Maliki sitting in their houses saying, yeah, welfare scumbags. Uh, should welfare recipients... Well, 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 hang on a second. Maliki, Maliki, where did Maliki yeah, say that? I, I know that. I know the and if somebody wants to sit at home and say welfare scumbags, that's their problem. It's not mine. That's their problem. It is your problem. It's not my problem. It is your problem. I can't, every topic I do, I can't take into consideration, is that person going to be offended? Is there somebody... If I talk about, for example, my next topic, well, I'm not going to have time for tonight, is uh, they've now released a transgender doll. Uh, and I'm going to say to people, is this acceptable? Would you buy one for your kid? Do I have to sit here and think, hmm, there might be a transgender listening, or a parent who's thinking of buying one of these dolls. They might be happy about it. I better not talk about it. You're an intelligent folly of a social conscience. You must understand that if you start saying... Uh, would you buy a house but say social housing uh, would you uh, 60% of all social welfare uh, housing occupants are in arrears would you cut the the criminal yeah these are all topics that we've done recently yeah go on recipients. you've got to understand now that that feeds into the monsters so we should just talk about nothing then and everything should just happen and we should just ignore it just in case we upset somebody or feed into something I can't be responsible for head cases in society who want to think like that and yes you're right there's a huge problem with arrears um, in the uh, social housing um Department, or I should say, in the county councils around the country, because people, a lot of people uh, on social housing are not paying the rent. But we have to talk about it, Mark. Yeah, yeah, you can't ignore yeah, these problems. You want you want to ignore everything. That's called virtue signaling. Um, stay there for a second, actually, if you want to, because I, I, by the way, that story, by the way, the co, uh, I just to, to clarify for those people, because Mark brought it up there, uh, it was a Scott Morrison um, in Australia, the government, a controversial piece of legislation that would force 5,000 new start, which is job seekers, on youth allowance recipients to undergo drug testing to get their welfare payments. Uh, that was the story at the time. I can remember that, actually. It was in September. It was a good time ago, Mark. You must have been looking right back at me Twitter account. Uh, let me just go to, if I can, Moni- uh, I think it's, is it Monique? Or Monica. Monique, uh, well, hold on, i got to switch you on that. Monique, is it? It is, yeah. Monique. Uh, okay, Monique, um, uh, you studied uh, public and social policy in college and you think that the Portuguese model is the way forward. Yeah, I do. Well, it's, it's not that I think it. Um, it's, it's, it's a proven model. This um, is where they've decriminalised uh, drugs for the use of your own possession. Yeah, for um, you can they stipulate certain uh, amounts that are acceptable for recreational use, and um, they had a huge problem with uh, addictions over there, and it was getting completely out of hand. And um, so what they've done is instead of I think it was mainly because of that huge recession and that there was very little work for all the young people. And there was a, a huge amount, a percentage of young people that were unemployed in Portugal. And um, so they were, and then a huge amount of young people were, were getting, uh, of, you know, their their future was getting destroyed because they were being criminalised. Mm-hmm. 
So um, <clears throat> what they did was, which I think is, I think it's, you know, my friend always says never underestimate the power of denial. But I think that the Portuguese model, they, they're dealing with in reality, you know, and I think that Ireland can learn from that because, you know, the reality of it is, is you know, everybody, it seems, uh, knows about drugs and not... And, and, and I've read some of that evidence that you're talking about too. I've also read counter-arguments and that in relation to drug crime is down. Well, of course it is, of course, because they're not arresting people anymore. But But in saying that... We spoke to somebody going back about seven or eight weeks ago who lived in Portugal and they said the problem is no better than it was before. Well, I suppose the problem is probably still there, but the reality is that the drugs are on the ground in Portugal. But my point is is that, um, you know, particularly I think young people, it's an awful lot of young people that get caught up in this. And um, I think that the Portuguese model sort of protects its young by... It's the way it's decriminalising them mm. and, you know, it's not uh, scarring them for the rest of their lives going forward in terms of careers or if they wanted to travel. And also they, what they do is they offer, instead of putting them to jail, they'll just say, well, you know, you can, they give you a, a choice. You can do community service or you can go into a sort of a rehabilitation programme. and uh, you know, To avoid a conviction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay, well, just very quickly, uh, Malachi, are, are you familiar with the Portuguese model? I am, yeah, and I don't accept that it works. And all they've done, and I mean, the crime figures have obviously gone down because drug dealing and drug possession is no longer a crime, so of course the figures are going to go down. And, but, but what they have is an increase in the, in the drug-taking population, which is exactly what will happen in this country if we decriminalise our, our... So in other words, convictions system. have gone down because you can't actually charge because anybody yeah, anymore. because they're not being done for it. But is it not a good thing that when you catch a kid on the street with a couple of lines of cocaine in his pocket, instead of charging them, you're saying, well, listen, we can get you help? Well, most of them don't want help. And most kids who are caught are dealing. And, okay. you know, like in this country, we don't generally jail youngsters for being caught with no, a hash no, we don't, and a small no. bit of coke. And if a youngster at 14 or 15 or 16 has coke in his pocket, He's selling it because most kids at that age are still only using weed, and we can't. It, you, you see, we're we're at a stage now where it's almost acceptable now that our young people are going to go out and do drugs, and I don't think that's the type I mean, of society you know, we want. Okay, I'm sorry, Monique. Go ahead. In there, um, like uh, what's that man's name? Maliki. 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 The reality is, Maliki, that I mean, whatever drugs is a problem, but if you compare drugs, for instance with alcohol. I mean, I studied public and social policy and the damage that alcohol oh, yeah, has I would done agree with this you. country is, I would say, tenfold of what the drugs have done to this country. That's because the, the, the amount of people who use alcohol is in the millions in the country. Yes, so obviously you're going to have you know, a higher amount of, of people who are involved. Most of the, the, the rows, for instance, last week where a man was killed and another, most of the weekend rows um, are alcohol-related. Are alcohol-related, and perhaps in some cases a bit, a bit of coke as well. But, but I mean, it, but, but, but Malachi, it, play, it plays a huge problem in society as far as, say, domestic violence, um, oh, uh, sure. petty crime, all those kind of things are alcohol-related. Yeah, but you I see, we should be trying to that. reduce that problem instead of saying, well, we're going to add another lump of coal but, into the mix or throw paraffin on, uh, petrol on the fire, and, you know, then you have 
Two I mean, and I, I would kind of agree when I, I agree with you that alcohol is a huge problem in society. And by the way, directly and indirectly kills more people than smoking every year. But yet we don't seem to tackle it the same way because there's vested interests in, in there as well. It's illegal. It's illegal. It's illegal drug. And yes. It's the most damaging drug of all in this country. OK, but can I ask you a question, Monique? If, if, for example, alcohol wasn't a legal drug and alcohol wasn't available in this country and suddenly they said tomorrow, listen, we're going to make this great new stuff. It's a liquid you drink. You can sit around and have with your friends and drink it. And you, after about four or five, you'll fall all over the place. Uh, you could end up, you know, breaking somebody's neck outside because you have a row with them and you might go home and beat your wife. Um, would, would you say, yeah, go ahead, legalise it? Um, I, to be honest, I'm a little bit anti-drink. You know, I'm well, well, anti-drink. And so am I because I don't drink, by the way. But I'm just saying... Of course you wouldn't. Nobody would want to legalise something that's going to cause a huge social problem. So the point Malik is making is he agrees with you, but he's saying, why add more fuel to the fire by legalising drugs? Well, I suppose the thing is, and again, I go back to reality. The thing is, is that people have been uh, drinking and taking drugs since time began. So, I mean, I think what the thing is, is that when you take something away from somebody or, you know, in psych- psychologically, yeah, psychological thing, when you take something away from somebody, you know, you're not allowed to have that. And where, where you know, you're going to be put in jail or you're going, there's, there's consequences to that. And then, I'm talking about the younger population here. Um, you know, uh, for some, psychologically, for some reason, that's, they wanted even more. They wanted even more because... I know, yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah, they, because it's a taboo, yes. Yeah, it's a but, but, and, but the point Maliki made at the start of the show was if you turn around tomorrow and say, right, we're going to decriminalise or legalise drugs, do you not think we're sending out the wrong message to young people of 14 or 15 years of age that it's not taboo anymore, that maybe I should give it a try? Sure, after all, I'm not going to go to jail for it. Um, I mean, I don't have all the answers, but I do think that, you know, uh, young people... You know, I mean, it's, it's a Portuguese model that stipulates small amounts and, um, you know, people who are on, on a larger scale are criminalised. Okay, okay. Well, I'm running rapidly out of time here. Thank you for that, Monique. Uh, Dermot, very quickly, because I'm, I'm running out of time. Go ahead, Dermot. Jesus, you are running out of time. I'm not going to get a chance to say anything. Go on, go on. No, you're, you're, go on. I'll give you plenty of time. Go on. Yeah, well, Malik, Malik you might, might have a, a, an opinion on this. Like, when drugs came into this state at the end of the 70s, start of the 80s, for a, for a good 15, 16 years, the government did sweet FA. And if you remember correctly, it was down to the inner, certainly in the inner city communities, to, to um, rise up in arms and push all the drug dealers not out of their, of their estates and the whole lot. And it did take one particular um, incident to, to mm. change things, and that was the killing of Veronica Geerden. And the day that they shot Veronica Geerden, within, I think, 48 hours, the government sat and they brought in legislation, major legislation. And what exactly did this, did this legislation do? It brought down Kinnan or um, Gilligan. It brought down all these guys. They attacked the, king, the kingpins of drugs with cab. They brought in cab. So the power of the state, when it's, pushed, when it's put into action, they can actually do something. And this crack that every time you hear um, a, a person has been shot, this guy has been shot or that guy has been shot, and what's the story? He was known to Gardy. What's all this bollocksology that he was known to Gardy? If these guys are up to no good, they should sweep them to fuck up all off the street altogether. I'm just curious to know what Malik. But how? But how would you sweep somebody up off the street when you don't have evidence? You don't need evidence. Well, Once they're members of a gang, yes, and exactly. any guard can give evidence on that. And what's Malachi's, what's Malachi's take on Cab and what happened after Veronica Gearden? Right, well, what happened after, you see, once Veronica Gearden was shot, that was the state, the establishment, the Irish in the past. That was terrible. But when Jonner in Sheriff Street, or Jonner 
Tala old days is just some scumbag junkie. Absolutely. Abs- well, that's, you know, that's, that's the very point I'm trying to get across. These are the mixed messages that people are being sent. Yes, so, the, that's the, that's the, sorry, Monica, that's the point I'm trying to get across. The bottom line is, can the power of the state do anything to sort this fucking problem out? Yes. yes if the political in, it was proven in 1996. It. it was proven within hours of her death that yeah. the state suddenly, suddenly realised the fact that it was Veronica Geary and she was a famous journalist and all this blah 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 well, but, but, that, but, yeah, but that's not the only example I mean it, we had another great example of course in Limerick when crime got out of hand in Limerick and at one stage it had the, yeah. the, the name Stab City of course when crime got out of hand the government stepped in you had the armed response unit went down there and you had yeah. you know people being put in prison on the word of a superintendent or a guard on the evidence of a superintendent or a guard you know, yep. so that was the only way to deal with it. And it so worked. Point, so, yeah, so, well, that's, that's the very point I get on to say. Forget all this legalizing, uh, legalized this, illegalized that, the whole lot. The point is, it's down to the power of the fucking state to, to, to protect the citizens of the state from what's going on. And there's nothing, but nothing has been going on. In, in, after, the like, cab, I think, is still in place. But, I mean, Veronica Guerin is dead now over 20 years. It petered out after a few years. And it's now it's, it's well. I, I, don't, I don't know if I have a huge amount of faith in cab because essentially what they're doing at the moment, and, and well, I would say you have faith of collecting money, of course, is they're essentially tax, taxing Ill- illegality. Well, yeah, the logic of cab, sorry, well, sorry, Maliki, go yeah, ahead. The logic of cab is that you can do what you want, you can sell whatever drugs you want, and if you don't pay tax on it from your income, we will come and take it, and that's the reality. It's cab has actually legitimised and cleaned the money that was left amongst these gangs. Because if Cab comes along and says, we believe you made five million um, in the past year on drugs, we're going to take four yeah, million. Yeah, you I have a million cleaned. I understand what you're saying, Maliki, but the bottom line is, forget, okay, leaving Cab aside, the fact was, the government realised when Veronica Guerin was shot dead that things were getting, like they are now, back in 1996, they were getting out of control, yeah. that in other words, nobody was safe. And the guys come up on the bike and they blow our head off and blah blah blah. That was the worst. So, by the way, those scumbags that did that—that that was the worst thing they could have ever done, because they drew atten- They brought attention to themselves. They did absolutely. But the point is, the, my point is, the power can the power of the state yeah. do anything, or but is this a lawless society? The power of the state that ties in with can. The point, the point that I made about after the Yom bombing, they brought in legislation about directing terrorism, and they immediately arrested Mickey McKeever and jailed him for twenty years. So if the state wants was serious about dealing with this problem and saw this the, the drugs thing in the same way as terrorism because it is narco-terrorism. And the objective, I mean, people need to it, see, see what terrorism is. Terrorism is where you terrorize a community so that you control it and that nobody stands up against you. And that's the and reason that be, young lad was chopped As I said earlier on, Niall, and I disagree with you, you're saying what I said, that, that uh, every time one of these individuals are assassinated or attempted execution on them, that the first thing the guards, oh, they were known to Gardaí, right? And you're saying, well, so what can the Gardaí do? That's down to legislation. The government bring in fucking legislation that the gives legislation the guards priority, there. that gives the guards the power to sweep these fuckers off the street. And unfortunately, if they had to swept that young lad up off the street with, leg- with proper legislation in place, the chances are he may be alive today rather than in fucking 10 bits all over the city centre. But the legislation is there. That's the point. And they refuse to use it. Well, they're going to have... Well, that's... In 2000... I mean, there is a human aspect to this too. Sorry, lads, if we could calm... I'll calm down for a second. And I spoke about this today, right? If I was a member of Angarda Sheikh with a family, 
I am not going to get involved in these individuals because these individuals are more powerful than individual Garda Shikana. So it takes. <laughs> Statement. But I, I know, I know, but then, hang on, I know. But, and I know. But you, and Gerdy, you know, naturally, look at Garda Adrian Donahue, you know, executed by a drugs gang, mm-hmm. allegedly in a robbery that went wrong. But I have no doubt, and I'm not going to address it now because there's somebody before. No, I'd, I'd rather you didn't address yeah, it now. But, you know, Gerdy are paying the price, and they, they would be right to be fearful. But remember, in the North, the RUC were under a bigger threat and, uh, you know, well, many of them died. They, they were protected and they were, you know, had accommodation which was, you know, secure in, in most cases. So those things can be dealt with. But you have to have the political will. And we're, we're well, well, but, but if the, the, the guard, and, and the point the chairman makes is right. If the Guardi don't have the resources... Uh, to be sure that these agents are going to end up behind bars, right? These scumbags or these crazy people that would do this kind of thing or burn somebody in a car or dismember somebody else. If they don't honestly believe this person is going to be convicted and go to jail, why are they going to even risk getting involved if they've got a wife, kids, family themselves? Because they know this guy will be back out on the streets, uh, you know, in a short period of time and they'll be the next target. No, yeah, the you, only, years ago, the if you were caught with drugs or anything, for instance, you were, and you were arrested and you were brought to the station, the, the station sergeant or the, the superintendent there decided if you were going to be charged. And you would in gen, generally be charged and remanded in custody then, or, or you might get bail, right? They changed that to all files before anybody is charged, go to the DPP, and he decides then whether there's enough evidence. Or if he hasn't got the time to look at the file, the individual is released, and it's a file to the DPP, right? So... Somebody caught with a million pound worth of, of drugs in the boot of their car, it can be a file to the DPP. And, and they're free to walk the, they're, they're free to walk the streets, yeah. yeah. And the other and the other Niall, the other the other side to that is you're talking about um the, the, the cops they they'd be afraid to get involved in case it might affect them or their family. Well the point is the bulk of these guys that are going on these raids and are sweeping these fuckers up and bring them in. They should be anonymous. They should wear ballot labs when they're, when they're going to work on them. And then if they have to give evidence in court or whatever, it's given anonymously, anonymously behind, uh, behind closed doors. Well, that, that's the, already done. If you go into the special criminal court, in Republican trials, you have screened um, intelligence yeah. officers given, given um, evidence. That, that's and already that done, and, and their identity protect. is not disclosed. I remember the last time the guards wore balaclavas in the state, there was murder over it. OK, listen, lads, I have to wrap it up. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.